yourself to the z Hey, Ryan Stanton, emergency physician, host of ASAP Frontline. Z-Dog MD, terrified he's going to admit someone to me right now. I could. Let's do this. There's a pretty decent chance I will consult you halfway through this. That's what we do. Well, good you thing come, I... Good you thing, come close to the emergency room, we will consult Good you. thing I have my 99238 or whatever consult code ready to go, because I'm going to get paid, son. Paid! <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ryan Stanton here with ASAP Frontline. Uh, with uh, Dr. Zubin Nemanja. That's it. Got it. First See, time ever. We learned. Right. We, yeah. we learned. Um, but you may know him uh, more often than not, especially if you're on the social media, the social page, the the uh, face page, and the Twitter as Z Dog, uh, blessing us here at Leadership and Advocacy at Washington D.C. So bring in some tunes. I walked in while you're doing your sound check. Um, some great stuff, and and really, it's uh, our medical version of celebrity here. You know, there's not many medical versions of, of celebrity, and and I think you bring that uh, bring that new uh, flavor for us. So welcome to the uh, Frontline Podcast, and uh, thanks for joining us. Man, thanks a million. It's great to be your token Z-list celebrity because that's how we <laughs> roll in healthcare. It's like we never quite even get to the D-list, you know? No, no, no yeah. that's a good that's a good point. I mean, don't allow it. No. So give us an idea. How did you get involved? I mean, clearly now you've got a huge following, like everything that 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 comes across um, the the Facebook and the Twitter when it comes to parodies, medical parodies, music, that sort of thing. It involves you. How did you get involved with this, with medicine at the same time? Well, I started out on MyFace, which uh, was a social media platform that was Yugoslavian and very ill-fated uh, to, to a very quick demise. I made that up. Actually, that sounds like a great, like, that's something my dad would say, like, you know, oh, you are very big on the MyFace. And I'm like, that's not an existent social media. My page, you are, they are clicking the lunk. It's like dad. Uh, yeah, so the way, the way it kind of went down is, you know, I was a full-time hospitalist mm-hmm. getting just abused by emergency physicians like yourself. Actually, no, we, we were a crew. Uh, we, we, were, we were brothers from other mothers and sisters from other misters, and, and uh, that was actually one of the great pleasures was interacting with my peers in the ER. What was not a pleasure was the click, click, click of the EHR, the increasing productivity requirements, press gainy, the um, pulling back of sort of house staff coverage and the fact that we were now doing three jobs at once as attendings and we were thinking yeah we paid our dues son like we kissed the ring we're supposed to be the ring that's kissed and instead we're still kissing the ring and it just felt like we were spinning our wheels the patients weren't getting better we were patching them up sending them out to get readmitted through via via y'all and and you guys were seeing increasingly more and more primary care Mm -hmm. because there was this sort of hole in the matrix so as a cry for help social media started coming around coming online uh, um, YouTube in 2006 it was about four years mature when I put my first video on there and it was my graduation speech from UCSF so the UCSF students were like oh who's gonna like we need two speakers one who's serious about health policy and very smart and one who's just gonna go off like a dirty bomb in downtown <laughs> San Francisco I was at UCSF and uh, they chose me for the dirty bomb role uh, after being passed over for the intelligent role multiple times. I've been passed over for that many times. Q-Day. And so as a result, I did this crazy speech that I put on YouTube and it kind of went retroviral, which is the best you can do in healthcare these days. You never really go viral. You, you go kind of like RNA nucleid with, I mean, it's very complicated. So all that being said, it proved to me, wow, social media is a thing. I can have a voice. I can use humor to educate and entertain. Why don't I try to do that more? And so I did it as a side project and it, it blew up in a way that I would never have anticipated. And by sort of living my own story, because I was always into like, you know, music and education, Weird Al and using humor to put myself at ease more than mm-hmm. anything. It, it was a natural fit. 
Um, what was not natural was trying to fit it in with a 100 hour a week, you know, hospitalist gig. And yeah. How did, um, I assume you had a music background, music interest before you got into um, this aspect of things that you just didn't, weren't a physician and just like, hey, I'm going to pick up music while I'm at it. Exactly. And then you're sitting on a porch. Right. Now, sounds like home for me. Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I grew up in Clovis, California, like which was the south of the west. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's that we were just talking about Uncle Dad earlier. See, we all have an Uncle Dad in our family. And our, our my kind of uh, inbreeding is we're a, we're a Indian sub-ethnicity mm-hmm. called the Zoroastrians. And there's only 100,000 of us left in the world. And part of the religious tenet is if you marry out, you're excommunicated. Of course, mm-hmm. I married out. But you can imagine over the millennia how inbred we are. Right. So I have an extra arm. It's in, it's here. You can't see it. I have it tucked back, taped back. Mm-hmm. But it, it happens. It holds the mic during the shows. It, it really does. <laughs> so that way you can use full... The full duo jazz hands. <laughs> yeah, nobody has had a triplet of jazz hands historically except for I. Yes. And, that, and, and uh, so this all being said, um, you had asked a question, and I've completely forgotten what it was now. Uh, it was about a, the music background. Getting the music in. background, right. So when I was young, I, you know, in order to, again, put myself socially at ease, I started, started playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh, it's a total easy way to get dates. Wrong. Because if you're still dorky and play Dungeons and & Dragons and Zork, uh, just playing a couple of like Zeppelin tunes on your guitar is not gonna work with the ladies. It does not work. But it did uh, force me to learn music, and then I did a music minor at Berkeley as an undergrad. Yeah, uh, focusing in ethnomusicology, which was interesting. So we studied music of the Caribbean, music of Indonesia, that sort of thing, as well as Beethoven. So I got this weird, broad education in music. You really so you mentioned that your graduation speech is kind of went with what first went retroviral, and. Then now we've expanded, doing a lot of parodies, um, the Darth Vader aspect of of as, aspect of things. How did all of this evolve? And two, what kind of challenges have you reached in doing that? Because me doing media and podcasting has hit challenges when it comes to hospitals and mm. things like that. Mm. What 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 kind of challenges have you hit up against? And then uh, tell me about how a lot of these things developed and where you get your ideas. Yeah, so here, here's what went down with me. As this started to grow, I'm still full-time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I could feel the eye of Sauron on my back. It's always there. It's always there, you know, build me an army worthy of health 2.0. You know, that was this big integrated system. And I knew that the louder my voice got, the more I would come in conflict. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when I first started, I was told, you know, you better look for another job because this is not compatible with having this job. And um, that's the hierarchy of medicine. That's the risk aversion of big systems and small systems. I think we're just acculturated to not not speak freely in front of the muggles or non-medical folk. <laughs> and so so as a result, uh, in order to really take it to the next level, I really had to end up unplugging from that matrix, moving to Las Vegas, and then making the voice even louder so that it would set a new threshold for what folks like yourself who are still, in, you know, gainfully employed full-time physicians can 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 then say well you know what z-dog did this you know up here so i am going to do this and it's and it's more it's still professionally within the bounds of what we do because i think our patients want to see us as human beings our colleagues want to see us as human beings who have are advocating for their voice in in an honest way and it's hard to do that if we feel like we're censored constantly that's what i think what i see from you when i see that stuff come up come across and the responses from the nurses and physicians and other staff is really that somebody finally putting a voice even if it's satirical it has a, a funny twist to it the music uh, music that we that we understand from something else it puts 
it says what we all think. It finally puts the word what we're afraid to say. And does it? Do you feel like that? As as you're you're basically the the microphone of healthcare for the majority of people who can't stick their head out or rock the boat. I mean that that's spot on. And I think if you look at a character like Doc Vader, mm-hmm. now here's a guy. Even I censor myself quite a bit because I do care about projecting a level of professionalism as a physician. Even though I will get dressed in a bathrobe in my bathroom with a handy cam and grab my crotch repeatedly as part of a song called Manhood in the Mirror where mm-hmm. I was pretending to be Michael Jackson and we were trying to advocate testicular self-exam. And so I'll do things like that that are very on the edge and then they'll go and play it at like TED or TED Med. And I'll realize, okay, we've, put, we've now expanded the boundaries of what the edge is that a physician can do. But when I want to push it even further and I want to rant in a way that I hear these rants from frontline care providers, mm-hmm. I will put on the Vader mask and just go to town. And the thing about Vader is he can just be like, you know, you know, every single day the struggle is real. You know, these administrators, it's like they put a lightsaber in my buttocks every time I get my Prescani scores. And I'm like, oh, you want better scores? Here's your turkey sandwich and you're dilaudid. And here is an army of addicted opioid-dependent patients. You're welcome, Jayco. You're welcome, CMS. And so he can say things like that in a way that uh, everybody says, that's funny because it's true, and I'm glad he's saying it. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is they're willing to hit the share button they're willing to hit the share button, which means that they're spreading this word. It's a reflection of what their belief is, but they feel confident because, no, it's a guy in a mask saying it. And that's the, right. the strength of that. What's interesting, what they won't share is when I have Doc Vader do my dad's accent because he's in the mask and they can't see it's me. And viscerally, mm-hmm. it feels funny. So there was a skit we did where I was really pushing it. It was about um, outer rim hospital transfers. So Doc Vader was complaining about you know every time i get one of these outer rim hospital transfers it comes with a summary they're like patient stable only you know he's got four or five meds and everything's fine just go ahead take him and then i take him and i'm like oh vtac is a stable rhythm this is i'm sure i've got 360 joules to each nipple right now (laughs) and and this is a stable rhythm thanks thanks much but that doing that indian accent which first of all that's my dad's accent second of all my dad is the guy who works in the community hospital who transfers a patient with the two-line summary in in is dictating in an indian accent that only the transcriptionist can understand and so that is funny because it's true but people are reluctant to share that because they feel like maybe it has some racist overtones or something so there's the professionalism in healthcare is a very complex and nuanced thing I think that's one of the nice benefits of the of the new Doc Vader. Um, well, since those since those have really started to hit out, is it does it's a. I think most of us as physicians could see ourselves in the mask, wanting to say it. It's like I wish I could anonymously go and like whisper in my CEO's ear or something. This is. This is really what we're dealing with. It's like having the darkest megaphone you could imagine. And believe me, for me, it's real exciting because like something will happen in the news and I'll just run to a Vader clip and I will have a pre-existing clip and I'll just dub over it and have him say what I'm really thinking. You know, like I remember the, 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 the Trump immigration ban, the first one had come through and everybody was up in arms and the Internet was going crazy. And there was all kinds of accusations on both sides of the political spectrum. I'm like, well, Vader's going to set them straight. He comes on and he's like, here's the thing. We're building the wall on the wrong border Canadians I mean these are they are musical terrorists Justin Bieber Nickelback give me a break we need to build the wall I mean I I, these are the people we should be worried about okay so that kind of thing it it diffuses some of the tension I think that the fans really like the idea that you're making a political comment but it's not 
one side of the aisle or the other. It's just, hey, we recognize what's happening here. We recognize everyone's getting offended about this stuff. So let's have some fun. It reminds me a lot of right now turning towards uh, turning towards Saturday Night Live. Mm. is saying everything that yeah. all of us are thinking of course that's more politics but with you it allows us to to have that outlet from a healthcare standpoint of we're all thinking it we're all feeling it they're all frustrations that we have and i mean i'm sure you know my wife's internal medicine pediatrics physician so she's a hospitalist mm. And she comes my home. My condolences. And, yeah, she yeah. comes home and tells me you know, the frustrations with the ER, and I tell her my frustrations with Hospital. with the hospitalist and all this other stuff. And so it's basically universal. So it's a it's basically a universal language that you're speaking, but in a way that allows it to go across without flying on radars. Yeah, I I think that's what it is. And you know, I'll tell you, like a lot of people, I've seen people try this kind of satire and parody, and they don't necessarily succeed. And the reason is they either cross those lines and those lines are subtle. It requires, and I hate to accuse myself of having this, but it requires a degree of emotional intelligence that I think a lot of docs have had beaten out of them over the years. And when they go to complain, they are doing it in kind of a tone deaf, mm -hmm. fairly offensive way. Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna talk about obesity, for example, uh, you don't wanna do it in a way that comes off as uh, fat shaming or judgmental. You wanna do it in a way that actually points out the issues, which are often social determinants of health, yes, patient choice, yes, access to fast food, yes, these kind of things. One of the interesting things I did is I had uh, Doc Vader do a piece uh, called Hut Shaming, mm -hmm. where he talks about, you know, Jabba the Hut is his patient and he's morbidly obese and how does he manage this? And he just goes on this rant about personal responsibility. So Vader has the voice of that aspect of things. And then in the blog post, I talk about, well, actually, there's social determinants of health. There's actually a lot of things that um, food deserts, et cetera, that lead to obesity and being judgmental and fat shaming is not the answer to get patients to change their behavior. We need to support them with systems. So you can have a nuanced discussion by triggering people to get involved. Mm -hmm. So lots of angry messages. Are you, you don't understand what it's like being obese. I'm like, actually, I do. I had, I was ahead of the curve. I had childhood obesity before it was cool in the 70s. I was very, very overweight. And it took me a long time to lose weight and change my relationship with food and that kind of thing. So I, I do understand that. But the thing is, even if I didn't, just triggering people to have the conversation and then be rational about it is an important thing. It's what amazes me is sitting here thinking about it and talking with you is how much depth and thought goes into the messaging and so I th it's not only taking a communication of a message but then changing it creatively to to hide it or do it to something to where you know it flies it, it, it people can accept it without it being offensive or or something that's like oh he didn't just say that oh he didn't just do that but it's like oh that's so true and because it was job of the hut yeah and not and not like uh you know uh chris christie or <laughs> someone who struggles with real obesity that's exactly right and i'll tell you one time so we, we have a i'm glad you recognize that because i think a lot of docs think i'm just flying off the handle and being crazy and people who want to for example have me come speak they always it always goes through a committee that's like that guy is he safe to come speak does he have any you know and, and because they haven't seen my collection of uh, videos they don't read the blog posts etc so we put a lot of thought and w one of the interesting ways i think we've um oh hang on here one of the interesting ways i'm gonna start again on that are you able to edit at all oh yeah sure. oh good okay i probably won't though good don't because you see it's I, real everyone i'm actually recording this for my video and if this screws up i'm like edit and then he won't because he's 
that kind of emergency. We're going to go, we're, we're just a real message here. That's right, that's right. So, exactly. So, line, so Line of thought. Line of thought. So one of the ways that uh, we kind of, we, we overthink things sometimes and we mess up and we are a little risk averse ourselves. We were doing a song about the opioid epidemic called Treat Yourself by Justin Bieber, a parody of Lose Your, uh, Love Yourself. And you know, for all the times that I gave you my help and still you turned around and dissed me on Yelp, you know, about the doctor complaining about this patient. It evolves over the course of the song where you see this patient withdrawing in the bathroom and crying and vomiting and you realize, oh my gosh, you know, this is a person with a disease, this is not, um, and, and we come out and just basically say, look, this is someone that needs treatment and we need to be a part of the solution since we were a part of the problem, right? Our, us, our pain societies, CMS, JCO, whoever, the fifth vital, it doesn't matter. We all need to, pharma for sure, we need to take collective responsibility and say we're gonna make this better. So in that setting, we decided the end to turn the, the female protagonist, um, our initial plan was, let's have a twist at the end, like a sixth sense type of twist. I see dead people, right? Turns out he's dead the whole time. At the end, the addict gets dressed, goes into the bathroom, cleans herself up, and puts on nurse's scrubs and goes back into the clinic as the nurse staffing that clinic. And we thought that was a really brilliant way to point out that a lot of healthcare providers having access, et cetera, are actually victims of this epidemic as users. Mm -hmm. And then we double thought it and we're like, you know, so much of our fan base are nurses and we showed it to a few and they were like, we're really offended by this because it's a doctor basically saying, Look at this nurse who's addicted. Mm -hmm. And you look at the power structure and the hierarchy of medicine, and you realize that's what you're punching down in the current hierarchy of medicine. So all these nuances we're thinking about, and we decided let's not do that. I wish we could have done it in a way where uh, it, it worked, but we were just reluctant. Well, it, being in Kentucky, being the uh, oh. ep epicenter of the opioid epidemic and in eastern chicken. Kentucky. Kentucky yes. fried yeah, chicken. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, two things that are killing Kentuckians left and right <laughs> other than third smoking but you know with the opioid epidemic and that's the message that we're having a hard time with is having the public understand that it is everybody that it's it's not just you know inner city minority populations that we can sweep under the rug like we've done for 30 40 years of drug ep epidemics it's now across all socioeconomic status across all races yeah. including you know people who've come from those quote intact supportive homes and so i think that message that curveball message that shows wait a second this is this, this is a is lot that. closer target that's than right. what we want it to be that's exactly right i mean you nailed it i mean it, we're, we're trying to say this is all of us right mm -hmm. and now it's a problem that we all need to help unwind together so and, and i i you know these discussions you can have through music because it's a universal, you know, archetypical art form and everybody engages with it and they can get their passion sort of. I mean, it's, it's songs like that that generate the most messages to me and they're usually stories, people telling their stories. And you know, it's interesting, they will send me 15 paragraphs in a Facebook message and, and they can imagine I get hundreds of messages and they probably think he's not even going to read it. But that act of typing out 15 paragraphs is cathartic for them and at the end they always say sorry I know you're not reading this but I needed to tell someone even if it's a total stranger and I read every single word um, because I feel like people need their stories witnessed and that's part of the role of, of social media now is to witness people's stories and I think that's what you represent though I think you represent a voice for a lot that don't typically have a voice even if it's you know if it's the physicians the nurses but also um, patients and the people that we treat I think that's what you represent is that voice and so my clicking share mm. or forward or linking it is my way of saying it mm. through you 
um, you know, whether it's you or, or whoever has that voice out there, of, of being able to share it and saying, this this is what I feel, mm-hmm. but I, I can't say it myself. You know, I feel like I'm inside the actor studio right now. <laughs> I'll get my blue cards. You know, I got a turtleneck somewhere. What's your favorite color? Uh, off brown. If you were a leaf, what leaf would you be? Uh, a dandelion. <laughs> um, that's amazing, by the way. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly, I think, when we're at our best. And we screw up a lot. But when our, me and my team are at our best, we're being that voice. And that's what I find. Those are the videos that get shared the most. The other ones people are enjoy, like we did a, a fake cologne ad, a black and white, me walking through a forest with French you know, techno music playing. I mean, like, je t'aime, je t'aime, je t'aime, je t'aime. You know, uh, yeah, a fragrance, the smell. And then it was like, si diff. For men, <laughs> and nobody got it. <laughs> it was a little too highfalutin, I think. So sometimes we can, but we're glad when we are the voice, then then we feel like we've hit it. Yeah. I think emergency room nurses would get the I think the C diff for men fragrance. They're the ones who got it. Actually, the end was C diff for men and woman, because I mean it's transsexual. Is yeah, that a thing? It yeah. Does, it, yeah, I don't think C diff cares. No, it doesn't care. Who or where you are. See, that's a bumper sticker. C diff don't care whether you're a man or a woman or what restroom you use. It's just going to affect your butt. C diff, the most in, in, the most inclusive of all diseases <laughs> since for decades. <laughs> it sounds like Bernie Sanders' new platform. Yeah. We're going to be like C diff. We're going to be like C diff. Incredibly Everybody. inclusive and contagious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, so... I was talking earlier with somebody else, and they were telling me about your your clinic, your work that you do in Vegas. And I do want to talk about that um, because it sounds like you, you do. It's a lot of what my wife does um, mm-hmm. in Lexington is trying to reach out to those folks that that are um, that are otherwise typically disenfranchised by our current system. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about your work and what you do in Vegas. Mm. So, and and this has to preface with we just closed our clinic in January. Uh, after three years being open, and I'll tell you why in a second. So we opened a a primary care team-based clinic that was kind of like a patient-centered medical home but redesigned from scratch by clinicians Mm -hmm. to satisfy no one but us. So we said we want these health coaches that are drawn from the community that speak the language of the community and they're trained up to the level of an MA and they do motivational interviewing. They're in every patient visit and minimum visits of 30 minutes, often an hour, no fee for service. We take capitation from health plans or... Uh, a direct fee from patients and employers and in that you get a no copay unlimited access to the buffet of care since it's Vegas and we built our own EHR uh, because everything off the shelf was a you know cash register it's yeah basically horrible and so it was actually tremendous because we managed a population and an individual using a team where everyone got to practice at the top of their education and license we we um, had outcomes where we were dropping admissions by you know 50% in the emergency department and we had really good generic drug use like these little tick 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 mm-hmm. boxes but then bigger picture things like well actually hypertension control improved depression screenings improved and these were and we use for patient satisfaction we use something called net promoter so how likely are you to recommend this clinic to family and friends that's it and then you can fill in some words uh, feedback and it was 90% positive the nearest healthcare benchmark is 35% so we knew we were on to something three years the challenges were getting patients to come for the first time we were in a demilitarized zone in downtown Las Vegas because that's where our investor Tony Shea from Zappos was investing mm-hmm. so getting people to come there was difficult once they came they, they stayed because they fell in love with the model 
some people didn't stay. They were the people who were like, I want my Xanax mm -hmm. and I'm going to pay you $80 a month, you know, to, to have that without any discussion. And we said, sorry, that's not going to work. You're going to talk to a health coach and a doctor about, and our licensed clinical social worker about why you are dependent on this drug and what we can do to help you address the other stressors in your life, et cetera. And, uh, and so that was one challenge. The second challenge is we had a big partner in Nevada Health Co-op, which was an insurance company that then brought us about 3,000 patients, which brought us to break even. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they fell apart. Uh, they literally went out of business and overnight we lost 3,000 patients. Our overhead was the same. So we decided we elected to wind it down and close it in January rather than draw it out because we want people to know this model succeeds as a model. And uh, we want it to grow in other places where this, the soil is a little more fertile than downtown Las Vegas. So uh, is, this, is this something that's coming back from Z-Dog? Yeah, so the 2.0 version of Turntable is going to come soon. And it's already being built by our partners, Iora Health, around the country in partnership uh, in Medicare Advantage situations. So we think we, we want to inspire. That's part of the reason we're doing our show now against medical advice. It's every Sunday at 4 uh, Pacific. We are trying. Did you see how I plugged that? Yeah, it was that was good. amazing, right? Really it was subtle. And then I sabotaged the whole thing by going, did you like see how I plugged that? Right, exactly. Yeah. So the show is really the mission of that show is to provide a, exactly the voice we were talking about earlier, but in a funny way to spread this idea of health 3.0, as we call it, uh, the mission of Turntable, so others will build it. And it's important for emergency physicians because you guys will then be, be able to integrate with primary care docs on the outside and specialists downstream and hospitals, all in a continuum that, that practice practices, everybody's at the top of their license, you're not doing primary care, you're doing actual emergency medicine, and you're getting a communicative partner on the other side that really cares about communication and interaction. So we're not going to just dump a patient on the ER because at the end of the day, you know, we're going to have a serious conversation. We may send a health coach to the emergency department to follow up, be a liaison on the way back, et cetera. I think that's the future. I mean, I, I see that as the future of healthcare um, because not only in one thing that um, I learned about it was um, that it doesn't have those with the way you do the payment model, the payment structure. It doesn't have these. We got to charge you 15 times cost in order yeah. to get 10% of it in order to pay to cover. So you're so you can actually do those things that I think we almost all want to do, which is allow you know bill patients what the services are worth, not based on what our insurance companies are mandating. If we provide value, we should get paid for that value. If we don't provide value, we shouldn't get paid. I mean, and the question is, how do you measure that? And that's going to be the big challenge of building this new healthcare system, because right now we're getting it wrong. We're paid to click the boxes. And what we need to do is be paid to generate actual outcomes that matter to patients, which means then we will do whatever it takes to generate those outcomes. We'll find processes because we're pretty smart. We'll train our doctors to work collaboratively, but also in quality improvement science, but not just lean Six Sigma and all the language of Health 2.0 and this mechanistic assembly line, but rather this more uh, transcendent language of, no, we're just going to do the right thing for the patient. And if if doing a Gemba walk through my clinic and figuring out what's the best, what's that patient experience and how does it affect their healing, if that helps me generate outcomes, then I'll do it. But until that point, I'm not going to waste my time with it. I'm going to focus on the relationship, which is what it's about. And so much of what you guys do in the emergency department is somebody there as an authority figure who's hearing the patient. And so much of the you know, anxiety-related chest pain and functional bowel disease and all that, is, it's, it's super tentorial in the sense that we, they, they want to be witnessed and heard and connected with. And in our current system, we don't, we're not incentivized to do that. Yeah. Well, I very much appreciate, uh, appreciate your time. We've got to allow you to start getting some... Uh getting some rest so you can wow the emergency physicians at Leadership and Advocacy 17 here in a few hours. I'm going to take my uh, tracheostomy thing out and just start doing scales, you know. Oh, I got that note wrong.
Well, I can't imagine that uh, that uh, the uh, old uh, vocal chords take a little bit of a hit anytime you do the Darth Vader. Darth Vader is a hit to the chords because he's, you know, he's almost down in that millennial vocal fry. See, already I can do it because we've been talking. See, hear that? Help me, Padme. Get my lozenges. Well, I'll feel bad if uh, come this afternoon the 750 docs here uh, miss out because I've, I've, I've worn you out here this afternoon. I will publicly blame you, and uh, we'll tar and feather you because that's what they do in D.C. back in the old days, you know? I'll, I'll make sure that I'm here so I can witness and, and take full credit for the disaster that, that I have created. It's all about witnessing, my friend. <laughs> We've established this. All right, just in case somebody, uh, anybody listening doesn't know uh, uh, about the Z-Dog stuff, how do folks, how can folks uh, um, follow you, website, social media, face page, that sort of thing? Face page, my, spa- my face, yeah. Uh, the easiest thing, Z-D-O-G-G-M-D.com. Two G's because one is necessary but not sufficient to be a gangsta. And on that uh, website, you'll find all our shows. You'll find social media links. We're big on Facebook. Come and join the tribe, and uh, we'll make our voice heard. Two because one is not enough, and three is pretentious. Three is 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 one G too many. You've you've crossed into sort of Kanye egotism. You can't have that. Fair enough. And for us, uh, you can uh, follow us along, like our page, the. Uh, the ASAP Frontline page on Facebook, Everyday Med on Twitter, as we just dumped the water. Yep. Everyday Med on Twitter. Um, and also, you can uh, email me, youreverydaymedicine at gmail.com, youreverydaymedicine at gmail.com. It's why I don't do procedures, people, because I'm like a butterfingers. <laughs> Did I spill some water on your lap? That's, that's uh, internal medicine right there. <laughs> Consult us for that part. We scratch our heads. You know what our procedure is? It's a note. So we actually write a procedure note about our note. Because our note is our procedure. I'm like, oh, a pen was laid to paper at 345, uh, a complication ink blotch on line three, white up, performed by ZDog MD, two Gs, one, one insufficiently. Uh, please send samples to medical record and emergency department. Thank you and education. And as for me, I'm Dr. Ryan Stanton, and that's ASAP Frontline. Mm-hmm.